Welcome to episode seven of Whole Lot of Wolves. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. And I'm Paul LePage. And joining us this week are two of our friends from Atlanta Wolves, Andrew Smith and Wolfman Jeff Combs. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having us here. So, Andrew, you're from Wolverhampton? I am. Born and raised. Bled to golden black from the day I had my bottom smacked. I'm uh, definitely all the way through. Absolutely. 100%. Excellent. And Jeff, you live in Alabama, but you have some genealogy ties to Molyneux. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. A few years ago, I was doing some uh, genealogy when I overheard that Robert Plant was named the vice president of Wolverhampton Wanderers, which that's the most epic thing that got my attention. But I, I had realized that they play at the Molyneux Stadium and I recognized the name Molyneux and realized that my 15th great-grandfather Richard Molyneux was not the Earl of Sefton, but the Baron of Sefton. So I'm a distant cousin of Benjamin Molyneux, who had given the grounds there. So I felt this is my club. It's destined to to be my club. So one day I need to go and visit my family plot. (laughs) That's outstanding. (laughs) Jimenez trying to drift in field here. 20 yards from goal, into the center, back onto his right foot, cutting, deflecting it in! Raul Jimenez, a massive stroke of fortune. But Wolves finally get the breakthrough at Ellen Road. So, guys, we're going to just jump right in here. One nil result, three points. It wasn't pretty, but three points are three points. And for the first time in the Premier League, Wolves are sitting on nine points after five games. So there's some positives to take from this. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of things to be positive about. I agree, it wasn't pretty. But it's still things are in progress. But I'm reminded that it's the first time, I think, in a while where we've come back after an international break and got a win. We've not been doing that. So there's been some good performances. And obviously, Max Kilman is getting a, a lot of shine. And uh, so pieces are coming together, but they're not all there yet. Totally agree. There's a lot of room for improvement. I don't know about everyone else, but the... Uh... Pins and needles were definitely going even in the first half. Uh, Second half was a little bit better, more dominant. But uh, there's certainly a a little bit more of connection of gelling. Hopefully everyone agrees that who's been starting and who's playing now seems to have that uh, thought process down of, I understand where you might be going and heading down the field, but uh, a tremendous amount of improvement needs. I, I really would like to see the Dutch gentleman have a go. I forget his name that we got on board. I'd like to see him play. Hoover. Yeah, Hoover. Hoover, yeah. Yeah, I think he'd be a, a really good add-on to, to Adamo with his speed and everything. I'm very excited to see it. It's a combination of getting our new players worked in and not having available some of our players that we really need. But the other factor is that Nuno is trying to change things up. He realizes we've become so predictable and we're not going to be playing the same way because the the way we've been playing has gotten us to seventh place for the past two years. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, there's that combination of rebuilding a new way to play as well as getting these new pieces. But I agree with Andrew. These pieces are starting to come together. Semedo had an improvement. If I want to see him continue to connect, Pedence has been great. But if we could just see him do more connecting with Raul, that would be fantastic. But some of our other players who've been there uh, for us have not been playing up to form, such as Bali. So we've got to get Bali back playing like Bali. You bring up a great point about Podence and... 
for me, all that's missing is a goal. And if he gets that link-up playing and makes that number 10 spot his own, I generally think the chances he, he creates and he gets in, we could have on our hands an attacker that's getting towards double figures in goals. I think he needs one to go in, build up that understanding, like you say, top with Raul, but I think he could be a real game-changer this season. He's just such a unique player because he's so tiny and so a lot of the defenders are having a hard time keeping up with him because he's got that low center of gravity, so he can just stop on a dime. He's a very unique mm. player. Yeah, well, totally, totally agree. I think at the end of uh, last season, did he not create two penalties for us because just the way he was in the box? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's just that low center of gravity, stocky guy that just uh, keeps going like a bulldog, and then boom, he goes down and gets a penalty for us. So. Hopefully, he'll create some great chances uh, and some games coming up here, and we might get a freebie. Yeah, he's another guy who disrupts play, not in the same way where Adama does, but they're both that same kind of a hand grenade. You throw it in the (laughs) middle of there, and you hope it falls out into our favor. That's why I I always want to see at least one of those two guys up there because the, the other teams are scrambling on how to deal with them, and it creates chances. Well, you mentioned about the, the change in style as well, that it's reflecting at the moment that we're early into the season and that's forming. But it gave me such encouragement on Monday that we can still dig deep and we can still be that team that looks solid at the back. And then we've still got that counter-attacking threat. And especially in the second half, that was really apparent to me. I wasn't overly nervous second half when it came to the backs against the wall defensive part. I was more concerned right at the start of the first when we were facing a ton of pressure and I got nervous when there was that penalty claim with Costa and Moutinho. I just thought things were running against us that way. But as we worked ourselves into the game, I thought we were the better side over 90 minutes and we certainly created the better chances. And if never put his opportunity towards the end of the game away, when he actually got into the box for a shot, (laughs) then it it would have been even more comfortable. I think there's a bunch of green shoots and it, it bodes well. Our defense really has been, I think, what's starting to gel earlier. And so I was quite pleased with our defense, especially second half. But even in the first half, we were able uh, to uh, contain leads. I think having Dendonka there in midfield was also crucial. But we still need to continue to develop this new style of play for midfield and creating chances for attack. Speaking of the defense, we have to talk about Max Kilman. Just a phenomenal performance, man of the match. Won 100% of his aerial duels, had an assist on the goal, and then gets a new contract after that. What are you guys' thoughts? Is Have we found the left uh, back? The jewel in the crown? I, <laughs> I think it's very interesting because he's eligible to play for both the uh, England and the Ukraine because mm. his parents are both Ukrainian, but he's never played in international games. So he can play up to, I think, is it six you can play before you can make a decision? based on his age and the interesting part about this is looking and reading up he can play for ukraine and england but with the england uh, manager being in the stands watching that game i'm wondering just out of curiosity what everyone else thinks could kilman get a shot with cody side by side 
in the national team. Well, especially if they continue to play together uh, like they played this last match. That's something you have to look at. It's easy for us to think of uh, Kilman as a kid, but he's been with us for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's probably more uh, likely that it's just his time. And if he continues to be the success he is, I think that's going to point to the rest of our younger players that this is what it's like to move up to a solid place in first team. And I, I really think Kilman has a shot to be in the regular rotation this year. That's a great shout. I think it gives a lot of strength to our recruiting strategy that they're looking at players in the mold of Kilman of a certain age and of a certain pedigree. And it may be some of the kids that are are coming through that are in the under 21s now that have been bought from an established team like Shabani, I think was from Bayern and that type of player that they're able to pick up at a younger age, but have still got that quality, the skill, they've got the background from that years of development who can then get, schooled in the new no way like Kilman has over a period of years and then come into the side and at the moment fits like a glove it's a good testament to everything that goes on in the back room for sure yeah absolutely so i'd like to ask a question paul and i'll go to josh and then to uh, jeff on a scale of one to ten what does everyone think of that third kit ten being the best <laughs> come on what do we think paul you go first there's there's only one answer with that. It's a ten, obviously. Oh, magic, we, magic. It's a winning record so far. It's one from one, so they can retire it now, and it'll be be a winning <laughs> kit. But I I think it's I think it's great. I'd love it as well. My wife surprised me with an early Christmas gift. Um, did you get one? You got a new shirt? I did. So it, it was funny. I had told her like, oh yeah, this one's good, and she's maybe you asked for for Christmas. Found a package at the door, and I look at it, and it says from Wolverhampton, and I was like, so I left it on the table. And when she came back from work, and I said, hey, you want to check out? You have a package on there, and she went and looked, and she was like, I cannot believe. <laughs> she goes, this is your Christmas gift. Do you want it now or later? I was like, I want it now. <laughs> did you get it customized any chance? And did you get your name on or anything? Or no, what? no customized, but uh, no, I love it. I, I think it's uh, tremendous. Yeah. I like the black one from last year a little bit better, mm. but I still think this is a tremendous looking kit. It's way better than the away one this year. Oh, gosh, yeah. And uh, Jeff, what's your thoughts? I'll tell you what, I, I liked it when I first saw it. And of course, the fact that the first time that we wore it, we won. So as opposed to our, some of our other kits, I don't, we don't always win. I don't think we won when we wore our green kits last year. And the white kits the year before, we felt cursed in. So there's no <laughs> curse with this. My only thing I would have liked would be is if the logo would have remained the wolf's color but not so much to not like it. If they had it in my size, I would order it. So maybe I'll order two and duct tape them together. <laughs> yeah, I found that weird about the crest that it had the same color as the jersey, especially because the green one last year still kept the original one with the uh, old gold. So I, I wonder what the decision was to make that a different color as well. So, Paul, you said you have a little rant to go on right now. Is that correct? Kind of. I saw a few kind of, again, about in this age of social media and everyone's an expert. And I see posts and comments before we kick off that that's negative against the team before we've even kicked a ball. And yeah, everyone's entitled to their opinion as the game progresses. 
But even after the match, there were still some naysayers that, oh, we won, but we didn't play very well. And the Premier League's crap this year and we're sixth and stuff like that. And I don't know, some people, it gets me that they take that stance. I don't know whether they're trying to be edgy or they're trying to uh, cast themselves different from the crowd. But it gets to me that I think you need to understand your football a little bit better and understand that, yeah, this is a team that's new. It's got new players in it. We're at the start of a season that no one can really predict. And for me, a lot of what I've seen so far in this Premier League this season, there's been a lot of goals scored, but the defences are pretty shaky from the top teams all the way down. And if that's one thing that's always been something that I, I get the impression that Nuno's always been fully bought into is keep it tight at the back, get a goal maybe get a second one and wrap the game up. Mm-hmm. I am totally happy with that approach. Totally happy. And when you come to a game like Monday night, that we were up against it first half, no doubt, but they didn't panic. It didn't turn into a West Ham. I think we learned those lessons and we built on it and we grew into it. We went on to win and we went on to win well against a good Leeds team. So I think my rant is more that this team and these players and this manager, they often deserve a lot more credit than many fans are willing to give them, even after a win. Yeah, I noticed that trend. Uh, it's, you have to be careful not reading too many comments on social media. Paul, I see two different groups. I see some of the newer supporters who fly it around from sport to sport, and you almost feel like that they're just happy being unhappy But I also see a core group of Wolf supporters have been around since the 80s or before. And maybe it's just like they just have been emotionally damaged so much by being a Wolf supporter for so long that when something good comes along, they can't always accept it. I don't know. It's interesting that there's definitely dynamics out there. I think I fall into the the second camp that I'm delighted where we are and I've, I've never had more pleasure all times following this team and supporting them ever and it's amazing it's fantastic and I never want it to end so I'm happy with that for sure but I still don't take it for granted and if we do get an opportunity to kick on and climb a couple of places or maybe crap that next stage of evolution into a top tier team then of course I want us I want us to be there and I want us to be challenging but with whatever goes on it, it, it takes time and I don't think that's often apparent from some fans who the constant we want it now culture. We want to go out and spend 50 million on that elusive <laughs> centre half that we're not in the market for yet. We, we're not in that category of player. And I just think it, ta- it still takes a little bit of patience. We've overachieved. We're still overachieving. We're probably a year, two year ahead of where we should be. So I think that needs to be taken into consideration as well. I agree uh, 100%, Paul. And, and I think trying to, in America, it's always been very difficult also being in uh, the championship and as far as, unfortunately, League One and trying to see some of the games. And here we are blessed right now 
that we can watch wolves play. It might be on Peacock occasionally, but that's perfectly fine. I don't mind spending $4, $5 to, to watch, and not a problem. And I think we see a team that's becoming very gifted. We see a, a team that we're very fortunate to watch pretty much every weekend. And we're playing with some of the best players in the world and giving them a good run. West Ham was an unfortunate mishap. That was terrible. We got beaten up pretty bad there. But moving forward into the next game coming up, Newcastle and everything else, it's going to be very interesting. If we put another three points on the board, I'm going to start wondering is, boy, are we really, are we there? Are we cracking that nut? Are we close? And if we do really gel and everyone starts to click at 100%, goodness me, we could be up there with uh, the Villa, which is quite surprising where they are right now. <laughs> but uh, that's perfectly okay. It's you know, good for them, to be honest, in many ways. I started following Wolves back in 2013. Kenny Jacket was leading us out of League One. And you talk about trying to to, to watch on Peacock and how lucky we are that we get to watch it on Peacock because back then, of course, just getting any information was difficult and catching people's after the fact YouTube and it was podcast and YouTube channels that kind of kept me connected. And we were really lucky that I, I may have to pay a little bit of money, but I could catch every Wolves match, even if I'm maybe at work. You mentioned the West Ham game. That doesn't look like as horrible a result right now. West Ham's on a roll. They just pulled a miracle out of their hat this weekend. The Premier League is topsy-turvy right now, but it's exciting, guys. I, I really feel like you can't get too down on the team because everybody really has a chance except for West Brom. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm still trying to figure out, can anyone help? The stadiums are quiet. Are, we, are the players much more focused? Because I think five games into it, I was listening to, uh, is it Rebecca Lowe? on NBC and she was explaining that this is after the first five games, the most highest scoring goals for across the board than in almost in premiership history, even division one, going back that far. And you sit and say, okay, we have no stadiums, people in the stadium. What's driving that high score, which is fantastic to see some teams losing five or six or seven in Liverpool's case. Does anyone have a, any idea there? I saw, um, I can't remember where it was today that I picked up on it, but it was along the lines of there's a little bit of psychology involved that on the one hand, you've got the attacking players that they haven't got the fans on their back or the fear of messing up. So they're more likely to try that wonder shot or try that path that puts the player in that sort of this world in, sets it up. And then the flip side of that is you haven't got the crowd on the defender side, giving a man on or uh, there's a man coming, that type of pressure where the crowd mm. lifts it. There's that suspense, there's that something's going on. So, yeah, it kind of, you got those factoring in. I'm, I'm convinced about that that factors into it. And, yeah, teams play off the crowd, crowd play off playing to the team. It, it's got to have an impact and it really gives you an idea of professionalism. So you're going out to play a game of football but there's all these factors that are involved. How do you do it consistently so that week in, week out, you, you turn up and you play and that's your job? It's difficult. It really yeah. is. I noticed if you look at other sports that are happening right now, Andrew, I'm seeing the same phenomenon with NFL. Uh, of course, your Braves had some really 
wonky uh, scores <laughs> happening through there. I think, what was that? Nine runs in the one inning. So it's not just association football, but it's happening, I think, these sports that are having at least either no fans or limited amount of fans. And I, I have to wonder if the psychology part is very real. There's some players that thrive on the energy. Like we're out here in Houston. I always say Deshaun Watson plays better when he has that crowd behind him. In fact, if you look at it, he actually doesn't do very well at home. And I always said it was on the road where he just can really draw on that energy. And I do feel like there are players in soccer that thrive off the the energy of the crowd and defense. If you think about it, it's late in the game and everything. You're trying to hold on to that lead. Like Paul was saying, you really are feeding off the intensity to find that extra gear to keep a team out. Now it's on to previewing the upcoming Newcastle game on Sunday, and we're joined by Alan, who is one of the organizers of the local Toon Army Supporters Branch in Baltimore, Maryland. Alan? How are you doing? Yeah, how's it going? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. So it's been a very Newcastle start for the season for you guys, huh? Yeah, it's pretty par for the course for us. Uh, Good opening win. I think a strong shellacking at the hands of Brighton afterwards. I think another nice little tidy win, and then a shellacking just this past weekend again. So, yep, up and down, just about right. <laughs> I hope that pattern doesn't continue on Sunday from our side of things, that's for sure. <laughs> hey, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I was actually running up to this, looking at your guys' form, and a little up and down like us, it looks like. So I think it'll be a nice little test, and hopefully we make a couple little changes, but I'm always friendly. You guys have quality in that side. It, it just needs to turn on. So I'm not nervous for you guys really too much, quite frankly. So Mike Ashley put his short, stubby hands in his 2XL Longsdale <laughs> jogging pant, pants pocket this summer. Did hell actually freeze over in the Northeast yeah. and on the Tyne River when that happened? Actually, the Northeast is usually frozen over, so I think it melted away just slightly for him to reach it down deep in the pockets. And they are Lonsdales. I'm glad you pointed that out. They 100% are Lonsdales. Yeah, it surprised me, man. I don't know what else to say. I think it surprised everyone who watched us spend a little cash and spend it wisely, which I think is after... Joe Linton, I'm much happier with the Callum Wilson pickup, the Ryan Fra- for Ryan Fraser pick. I, I like everything that we did. Jamal Lewis, I think, was great. I think it's hopefully getting them into the mix a little bit more. I've been now our Achilles heel is most likely Steve Bruce. So I am, I don't hate the man, but I struggle to 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 figure out his tactics. Man United was a perfect example last week. I, I'm not really sure. What he did, but he earned us a nice 4-1 loss at, at, with some of his decisions, I think, late on. So hopefully we'll see some turnaround. You bring up an interesting point about Mr. Bruce, and this actually delves into a little bit of Wolves history that mm-hmm. some of our listeners, you might not be aware of, Alan, but he'd pretty much been offered the Wolves job when Mick McCarthy got fired, and there was such a uproar from the the fans at the time knowing that was going down that they effectively 
stopped him for, from getting the job and it went full circle. They ended up appointing Terry Connor, who was the assistant coach, as the manager at the end of the season and it was a disaster and it all went wrong from after that. So it's always interesting from a Wolves perspective that, yeah, I'm not his biggest fan, but there's always a what if from if he actually got the job at that point where we might be now or where yeah. maybe what might not be as well. Yeah, it's hard to ignore a healthy track record of mediocrity, maybe even sub-mediocrity with Steve Bruce. He's a local lad for us, so of course there's a certain romanticism about it, of course, but likewise the, the Toon supporters aren't naive in their football to understand that with those signings that we just talked about, we are certainly not utilizing them to, I think, their full capabilities. And I think a lot what a lot of the, the fan base believes is are their capabilities with those kinds of signings. So, yeah, we'll see. Don't hate him. Like I said, I think he's a great man manager. He's gotten the best out of some of the older guys. Isaac Hayden has betted in. Shelby continues to, to be pretty rock solid, but... He's getting stuff out of these guys, but I think his tactics are still wanting for sure. So having a predominantly U.S. audience with this podcast, we always like to stay up to date on what the U.S. men's national team players who are over in the EPL are doing. What is the story with DeAndre Yedlin? I know he've only he's only started two of the League Cup games. It looked like he might leave this summer. They want money. His wages are too high. Can you give us insight on what's going on there? Yeah, I think at this point you're probably going to see him stick around and just play a squad role. He's still useful for us, and I think we are notoriously awful in the back room. So <laughs> someone will get injured. We will need a fullback at some point in time, and he's certainly serviceable. We know what we get going forward with him. It's a little bit of the coming back that has always been the question for him. And I think being a U.S. supporter myself, Following DeAndre for a long time, I think it's just age has caught up with him as well. He's lost that initial first step a little bit. He's still lightning fast, but in this league, that first step, and that means everything getting to the ball, especially in that final third, and he's cost us a couple on that one. But loyal servant, I loved having him here. Me and the wife have a couple, I think, Yedlin tune tops, so for sure. Love him, but I think you'll see him leave and probably head back. Depending on wages, he might stay somewhere in Europe. I think that's been the big issue with him is the wages. There's no, the MLS really can't touch him, and he'd be a designated player, I think, on any team he goes to. So not only are his wages a problem, but you have to make room for him, you know what I mean, in the MLS. So I think you'll probably see him land somewhere in Europe, finish out another year or two, and then probably head back to Seattle for that also glamorous reunion that everybody expects. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think he's going to lose his starting role with – the U.S. men's national team anyway, with Sergino Dest coming on, ending up at Barcelona. So it is a shame. There was such big potential for Yedlin, and it just seemed like he was so close and couldn't get it done. I think he really flourished under Rafa. I think, and that was a system thing. That was definitely, it worked for him, and he had a little bit of coverage. We had the five at the back that was a lot more flexible. As Bruce tried to come out of that five to the four, it hurt him. Um and they're not as well drilled at the back as they used to be with that five. So it did put him out on a little bit of an island. And then he's every other time as well. He's previously, he wasn't in front of a really capable winger. Now he's in front of either Almiron or, or St. Maximin. So he's really got to do his role and make sure he's staying back. But 
we all know he's a forward thinking guy. Yeah, I hate to see him go. Like, I loved him. I still do. And I root for him whenever he gets on the pitch, especially he's got that money afro right now. So uh, it's really working for him. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think we'll see him a little bit more later as the year slogs on as well. You mentioned your boy there, Alan St. Maximum, celebrating yeah. a new long-term contract that you must be delighted about. Along with him, Alan, who are the other informed dangerman we need to be aware of when we clash on Sunday? Yeah, you guys know what you're facing against St. Max. He's tricky and he has been phenomenal all season so far. Almiron's been coming off of the bench a lot and he started in the cup games, but in his league appearances, I believe he has two or three assists already. And I, I know a lot of the fan base, a lot of us here in Baltimore for sure, have been commenting on the fact that they think Hendrick should probably move out the starting 11 and, and Almiron come in, put a little bit more bite up front because I've still I've seen a lot more of the unsung production come out of Joe Linton, which is nice. We have our goal scorer in Callum Wilson, and he's been in and around it every every match. If Almiron gets your start with St. Max, you guys are, are definitely going to have to keep your heads on a swivel. And then Callum's just poacher. He is what he is. You've got to make sure you cut balls off at coming across your face because he will get on the end. He got on the end of one in Man United. Probably would have turned the game around, but hey, I made a phenomenal save. So, yeah, I think those are your three guys. I, I do I do truly think you see Almiron start this weekend as well. And so overall, after this game, which, of course, Wolves will take three points, <laughs> what are your expectations for the season? Oh, 13th. No, I think this team is quality-wise good enough to make that little jump from 13th to that top 10 position, maybe 10th. Maybe ninth if we're feeling good, but I would like to see us just climb up that little step. Even that incremental step is perfectly fine, and I think we are very capable of doing it. There are teams right packed in the middle that I think we are as good as. So I, I definitely would like to see us, hopefully, fair call, I'll say 10th would be phenomenal, but I'll probably expect 13th. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but, hey, safety. Yeah, uh, it's clear, clear of clear relegation that's the big thing yeah it, is, it was just a couple years ago that we were constantly in fear i think we've turned that corner a little bit and we're we're firmly here unless something blows up in our face jesus uh, knock on wood but yeah i, I think a good, nice mid-table finish top hopefully top 10 finish would be fantastic that would be great for you guys yeah, I would, love, I would love it. What do you guys think? How are you feeling? I think me and Paul keep uh, going back and forth every week, huh? <laughs> it does change, yeah. And I think it changes a bunch at the moment because the, the season's still ironing out the kinks as we yep. start. We can't really be looking at the league table after four or five, maybe six games. So I think for, as you say, the towards the <laughs> bottom, you get a good idea, those teams who are going to be around about there. Then it's the middle ground and upwards. I'm I'm really struggling at the moment because <laughs> there's just some crazy results. Goals are flying in. Nobody's got a good defence, really, yeah. at the moment. No one has from yeah. Man City, Liverpool, losing Van Dyke, Chelsea giving away crazy leads. So for us... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think we could be there or thereabouts in the sixth or seventh spot again. But then again, I'd I'd be happy myself, definitely top half and maybe a cup run um, in the FA Cup. But I think it's going to be a weird season. It's not going to be a good while yet till we see who's going to contend for the different spots. I'd agree with you. I think there's a lot of talk 
in the press and with the top six trying to, to pave their own path and things, but I they think unexpectedly there's a lot of parity in the league now, more so even than five you know to ten years ago. The Wolves, perfect example. Leicester, obviously, from a, you know, the last six, seven years, what decade, let's say. It, so there are teams that have come up and established themselves well who were not these big six. I, I was chatting with my wife about a little bit of that, and it's who the hell are Man United sitting down in 12th to dictate <laughs> anything at this point in time? You know what I mean? I, I think unpopular opinion or maybe an unknown opinion or something that people aren't seeing is there is parity in the Premier League. People don't sleep on it. You've got big clubs like Leeds coming back up who, yeah, absolutely. unfortunately, without without Ellen Road being full, that place would generate money for them and they would stay here. And I, I expect yeah. them to stay here. So as much as you know, I, I like to shake my fist at them, that's good for the league. Teams like that, clubs like that, stadiums like that are good for the league Absolutely. outside of the top four. It, it's good for five through 20. I do think another thing that's leading into the parity is you're going to see the Champions League teams and the Europa teams because you already got an EPL schedule that's tight, and now you're adding the international travel there. It really could be topsy-turvy. This could be another one where somebody like Leicester City, when they snuck up and won, we could be looking at that. Yeah, and quite frankly, even in the top outside of City and and Liverpool, quite frankly, all of the teams are young. They're mm-hmm. new managers. They're new styles. They're even those Chelsea's, those Tottenham's, those things that Tottenham hasn't really bedded into Mourinho yet. They're starting to get there a little bit. But Chelsea's still up and down because Frank's going to be up and down, and the rest of the team's going to follow suit until they mature. So even those big teams, Arsenal with Arteta, they're still under a whole new kind of philosophy. So even the big clubs are undergoing transformations that all of us, I think, aren't really looking at. We're looking at it from the money and the tournaments, Mm -hmm. and that's a big thing. But I think the league's not as dead as some people would like to make you think. Shoot, West Ham looks like the best team in the league right now. (laughs) Never thought you'd say that, huh? We'll wrap up this segment, Alan. We thank you so much for for jumping on. Really appreciate it. You're a great guy who knows your soccer inside out. We wish you all the best for the season, apart from those two games against the Wolves. Well, we'll we'll knock off three points this weekend. We'll we'll just get that started. We like to guarantee you guys at least six points against both Aston Villa and West Brom as well. So that should tide you over. We should be. And we look forward to inviting you back on for the return game and we'll see where we are at that point in the season. Absolutely. Much appreciated. Hopefully we're both safe and secure and not looking down at all. We're looking up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Alan. (laughs) Thanks, guys. You have a good one. Let's look ahead to Newcastle then, which is on Sunday. How are we feeling about that? I'll tell you what, if it had been right after West Ham, I would have uh, not felt as good. But coming off <laughs> the last match, and especially momentum comes into play, and we ended up the second half so well, you're hoping we're going to start closer to the second half as uh, as we do in the first. But Newcastle's also another streaky team where they could start off really strong in the first half and then peter out about 80 minutes. And so... I'm wondering if it's going to be another match where we're going to focus on containment the first half, wear them down, and then kill them past the 80th minute. It's going to be interesting to see Alan St. Maxim coming up against Adama and coming up against Semedo if Semedo is on. That could be 
something really to watch. It's a cliche, but for me, I think the first goal is going to be crucial. If we get it and early in the game, I think we could win out and win out quite comfortably. My fear, again, a little bit, I'm not quite over it, would be a game <laughs> like when they came to play us at home last season where they take the lead and we're battling back and we have to equalise and try and kick on from there. Yeah, and I think momentum, as you talk, yeah, that momentum that you talked about, if we can take that on from Monday night into Sunday and we start on the front foot and we go at them, I think they could crumble and I think they're their their morale could be low we could make we could make the most of that but yeah let, let's get out there score early and, and build on that i was actually at that game i was in europe prior to i went had to go to business trip and I, I was actually at that game and it was it was a very poor game by wolves it was my first home game for a few years and we were too much back passing too much side passing no momentum or, or drive in the passion going forward very disappointing but let's hope we play better this time. But, you know, Newcastle always plays us tough. There's something about Newcastle Wolves. It goes back a very long time. I think it's going to be a very chippy game and a very physical game. I saw an interesting stat that I didn't like seeing. It's been quite a while since Wolves have won a match when they conceded. First of all, when they conceded first. But it's been, I think, in the last six times that we have conceded a goal of any kind, we've gotten a draw or a loss. And so I think that, Paul, you were right about it's crucial for us to get the first goal. It's either going to be a back and forth and we're playing catch up or it's going to be very low scoring. I'm not sure which one we're going to get, but either way, it's going to be tight. So who's you guys' starting 11 to hopefully get that strong start, especially in the first half? I would leave as we started against Leeds. I I think Pedence could give back three or four at Newcastle a good run. I'll predict 2-1, and I'll say Pedence gets both. How's that? Oh, wow, that's good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I'm expecting Marcel to start, and so that changes it up a little bit, and that way... That moves Saiz away from left wing back. But do you put him back in or you keep Kilman? I, I think keep Kilman because Saiz can play either defender or in the midfield. I still think Dendonka in there and maybe swap out Matinho with Neves to start. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. almost want to pick Traore to start over Pedence, but I think it would work better, Pedence, and bring Traore in later. But yeah, everything just the same, except for have Marsal in for Saiz and put Neves in for Matinho just for rotation. I'm very skeptical of changing a winning team, especially one that's done two clean sheets back to back. So I could probably see Saiz still retaining his spot and Kilman for sure retaining his. I like the idea of swapping out Matinho for Neves. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to have to see a lot of that anyway this season that makes a little bit more sense as Moutinho enters it the twilight of his career but I'm I'm pretty happy if the team stays as is if there's one game I think this would be ready-made for a Troy cameo it's this one and the type of team that Newcastle is that if we've got a lead and they have to unpart the bus and come at us more bring in Troy on the 60 minute mark we could go on to enjoy some success down the right-hand side. So 
I think that's how I'd line up. Prediction wise is a tough one. I'm going to be positive this week. I'm going for a 3 1 win. Whoa, okay. Wow, wow. I think Adama's going to have a big game, and I think Nuno's going to want to come out strong. So I could see Potence and Adama both up front with Jimenez. And I'm going to say 2-0. I'm going to say both of those goals come in the first half, probably okay. one right before halftime. And I think uh, Adama puts one of them in. I think he'll Sweet. get him on a counter. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what yeah. I'm going. Yeah, it would give him some uh, confidence. There's been a, against Leeds, there were a couple of times uh, he looked a little bit lost at times. He had that spurt in the, in the game, but there were times that he looked a little lost. So... Josh, if he does score, I think his confidence will be superiorly improved. Yeah, we need to start seeing that Semedo Traore, and I I think it's coming. I think it's coming. That's what we ordered. That's what we want. Yes. (laughs) Because when that clicks, we are going to be everyone's nightmare. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to be a little more conservative with my numbers because I expect us to do containment in the first half. And I think we're going to end up with a 1-0 win where we're going to focus looking at them, examining them, controlling, waiting them out, and then we get a goal in the second half. I think Adama is up for it, though I would love for Pedence to get the goal, but I'm going to pick Adama for 1-0. He is overdue. For no stupid questions, both of these are going to reference the Leeds result. Paul, what have we got? This week, we thankful for... David, getting in touch via our website, which is wholelotofwolves.com forward slash no stupid question. David, if you remember, was our Leeds fan who came on the show last week to help with that preview segment. I'll read it word for word as it's half a review of the match and half a question, and then I'll get you guys to answer. He says, as a Leeds fan, I feel a bit hard done by that we didn't get a result, but Wolves were stout at the back and really didn't allow any clear-cut chances. The deflection was fortunate, but Wolves were the better team in the second half, but Leeds were much better in the first. Once again, Wolves looked out of it in the first half. Why do they seem to play so much better in the second half than the first? Guys, what are your takes on this? Actually, I can go to Connor Cody in his interview, which actually I think watching Connor's interview is worth everything. That may be the (laughs) highlight of the year. But he had talked about that it was a deliberate effort to examine leads because it's not the same leads that they had faced before. So it's like the Romulan Empire waiting back before they go in. They don't just go like the Klingons with full disruptors. They examine and then they find the weakness and attack. And I think that is why, at least in this match, it was so much stronger in the second half. And I got a Romulan reference there. I, I Wolfman, you are my favorite. You got Star Trek in with wolves, man. We are, <laughs> and you live in Alabama. We're soulmates. So here's my answer to that question. It's four letters. It's N U N O. He was probably yeah. gave them a little bit of a stern talking to in the first at halftime. You saw it. They came out with a lot of passion. I felt like in the first half, the only one that really was playing with a ton of passion was Neto, who was running around all over the field like he normally does. Everybody seemed to have that kind of energy in the second half. I really think it all comes down to Nuno. He's a master motivator. Ideally, for really one game, I wish we could play 
I'm not saying Stella out in the first half and Stella superb in the second. I'd just like us to see consistency in first and second halves. There's always that 15, 20 minute adjustment where the other team's going to come out and pressure you, play a little bit more of a higher line. But if I think where the Wolves fans, were, Paul mentioned about the, some of the comments earlier on, that I think where the nervousness comes in is we're almost predictable in the first half consistently. And it's been, it happened last year. So if Nuno can get them to turn on a little bit more of afterburners in the first half and get a little bit more consistency going and then do that second half and then play and put the game away, I think Wolves fans would start to believe. And I think that's where the, the confidence in the fans are just lacking a little bit at times. I picked up on a great video from the Wolves Fancast YouTube channel after mm-hmm. the, the Leeds game on Monday. And it was Gully who does Molyneux Musings on Twitter, who writes very articulately about the Wolves and is very detailed in his analyses. Mm-hmm. I always like to, to, to see what he puts as, as he talks a lot of sense. And he did a video and got a tactics board up and he was plotting the two teams first half and second half and it was really interesting that he was able to highlight that a lot of the focus in the first half came from Calvin Phillips how Leeds were trying to push the ball through him a lot and dictate play a lot more and just to the point earlier it was very much a case of Nuno being able to recognize that and in the second half push the team five ten yards further up the pitch and compact it a little bit more and Gully was able to show the heat maps and the passing and where the teams were picking up the ball. And it made a ton of difference. And hmm. I think if we are able to, again, yeah, do that on a more consistent basis, start like that from the off, take, take it to teams a little bit more when hmm. the opposition dictates, then one of these weeks, I'm convinced, we'll, we'll have a pretty faultless 90 minutes performance. And, and score a fair few past someone. And well, another I, I, one for me is fitness as well. Mm-hmm. The, a lot of credit has to go into our backroom team and doctors and medical and all the sports scientists they got working for them because, again, it's a weird season, no real pre-season of such. Still, it's a small squad. It's better than it was last year, but it's still the same rotation of players. We've got more flexibility off the bench now. But again, the backroom team, they need a pat on the back for conditioning the players that are able to go for 90 minutes, still look strong, not have it affect them um, really when it comes to those final few minutes. I think that's another positive that we've got going in our favour. Mm-hmm. I think it's the purified water from Sedgley. Hydrates them so well. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not, it's not Gatorade in Sedgley. It's Sedgley Aid from, Sedgley from this Aid. little fountain. <laughs> This wow. little fountain on the beacon that trickles all the way down. Drink it, boys. Drink it. Wow. It sounds so magical, like something from Willy Wonka. Doesn't so, it? Uh, yeah. So, Andrew, when we go to, to you, when you take the UK, we're going to have to, you're going to have to take me to the fountains of Sedgley. I will. The, the, the Sedgley uh, power station uh, area, we can get the water from there. We'll purify it and we'll ship a bottle to Paul. It's really, it's really nicely purified at the bottom of the beacon in a public house called the Beacon, which has two fantastic beers that they brew themselves there, and it's a proper uh-huh. pub. And there's no TVs, no food, no music. You just sit there and enjoy fine, fine. ale. 
that would be my recommendation to try some of that Sedgley aid right there and yeah a little <laughs> that I doubt, I doubt anyone is listening who's there at the Beacon Hotel in Sedgley but if you are for that sponsorship plug a crate shipped over just for sampling purposes <laughs> and we can talk through taste and palate and all that stuff yeah just send it over and and we'll work that into the show no problems would you like to hear your company's name in one of these sections broadcast to a captive group of soccer fans across north america get in touch for information on our packages including presenting sponsor segment sponsors and paid partnerships on social media by emailing hello at wholeloddawolves.com Second no stupid question was from our friends on the Drunkard United football show who, as we previously talked about, they had a little slide dig on Twitter about our kit and said, what's up with wearing that Portugal national team kit? It's about being awesome. Hello. It's, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, there is uh, one or two Portugal teams players there. Of course, <laughs> when Ronaldo got COVID, there was a bit of a panic that went through my heart that I thought, oh, great, there's half of our starting lineup. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, we discussed that last week. <laughs> so there is no coincidence that, yeah, we do. I love the fact that Wolverhampton w- is willing to just roll with it. And and they came up with a really fun kit. Yeah, it's. I think uh, I want to buy a Wolverhampton Portuguese frame uh, phrase book one day. So. That's, I'm sure that they sell them in all the corner shops. It is. This is another stroke of genius by their marketing team is what it is. <laughs> we saw that last year with the Mexico kit. And I loved how they were just like, look, it's not a Mexico kit, but it's a Mexico, Mexico kit. kit. Yeah. yeah. These guys, they're not just thinking England. They know, okay, England, most of the people there are already settled on who they're going to be rooting for. They're looking beyond it. They're looking hey, we want to be the best Premier League team in Mexico and North America. Oh, we want to be Portugal's Premier League team. We want to be China's. It's smart. It's really smart. And that's how you build a brand. And that's how you become one of the power teams in the world. They need to get a Visit Portugal on there as a shirt sponsor. Oh, yes. (laughs) All the way in. I love Portugal. I'll be there tomorrow if I could fly. I love it. But... (laughs) Have you, has anyone seen the second kit of Newcastle and their third? Anyone know what it is? I've got it pulled up here. It's quite interesting. I, I saw it when Thogden and Thogdad did their things, but I can't really remember it off the top of my head. So their second kit looks like uh, bananas color. It's like a bunch of Geordies oh, running around in bananas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then their third one looks like the royal crown. It's like a burgundy with a... A yellow on it with black shorts, so I don't know about that one. But I like the banana one. The banana one looks interesting. Banana-ish? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it stands out. It's very, yeah, yeah it's a highlighter. I, yeah. I don't want that. <laughs> you remember the sweet in England, Paul, I'm sure. Remember the humbug? Yeah. Remember yeah, the humbug little candy uh, we had? I always used to say that Newcastle Strip always looks like a humbug sweet candy. Sorry. Yeah, it is like highlighter yellow, isn't it? It's, it's like they uh, just colored it in and they wanted to highlight it. <laughs> it, it is quite a, it's a little bit uh, slightly insipid, but that's okay. I guess. It's fine. It's like they spilt Mountain Dew on their kits. 
<laughs> uh, it still looks better than our second kid. Oh my gosh. I, I'm trying to figure out actually in some of the games, where would we wear our white? I think we're only going to wear it like two or three times this year. I think it was quite telling that we wore the third kit before we wore the away kit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree, Josh. I agree. Maybe it's... Liverpool maybe is a fun one. Maybe. Yeah, well, clash what... with the gold. If we keep winning in the Portugal kit, then yeah, let's just keep wearing that Portugal kit. Yeah, I don't know when we'd wear it. Obviously, I'd probably have to be a team that you get that, that definitely don't have blue. So I knew that we weren't going to wear it at Man City. Mm. Or mm. at Leeds, since Leeds always wears white when they're out. The, uh, the Portuguese t- tells you, though, the third kit, my brother-in-law sent me a uh, WhatsApp text, and he said uh, within about 10 or 15 minutes of it being released, the kit itself sold out yeah. on the wall store. So that's, uh, like you said, I think that's a great, whoever came up with that is a genius, absolute genius. Yep. For sure. Someone got their Christmas bonus this year. You think? (laughs) (laughs) Max Kilman got his Christmas bonus. Yeah, there we go. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. (laughs) And so did Josh. He got his bonus too. Yes. It was great. Early. (laughs) Now, my wife did say I have to give it back right before Christmas so she can wrap it and put it underneath the tree. (laughs) Oh, oh, that's funny. <laughs> It'll be sweaty and clammy and put it back in the wrapper. Yeah, <laughs> but you better believe I wore it on Monday, so <laughs> yeah, I'm well, already putting it to use. Yeah, good. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And Paul, you have uh, you have any of the new gear? I was adamant this year that I wasn't going to bother. I wasn't a huge fan of the home kit. I didn't think it was such a massive detachment from the, the previous one, but... When I saw the guys wearing it, that kind of grew on me. And then when the third kit was released, I really liked it. And I was just a I was just a sucker for the the promotion of the free international shipping the other week. So when that was coming to an end, yeah, I jumped in and I bought it as well. And I got number seven Pedro Neto on the back because Sweet. I'm cheap and I only buy one letter and one number. So if you've yeah. got a double, if you've got two two numbers on the back and, and your name's longer than four letters, I won't be getting you. So Neto checks all of those boxes for me. Yeah, I got, this, I got the home strip and then I actually treated myself to the, did you see the new T-shirts that came out? The checkered yeah, T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I got the I got the burgundy uh, one, but uh, I did not go with a, a name. I went with my own name on the back because the last time I bought a shirt, uh, I got held a coster on it, then they <laughs> transferred it. <laughs> so I decided if I go and get Nevers, who I really like, uh, who knows where he's going to end up. So I'm not going to jinx anything. So I'm just going to keep my own name on the back of the shirt this time. Yeah. Smart, very smart. <laughs> Onto the game on Sunday then, Josh, just remind us and the listeners, what are we going to watch it on uh, schedule-wise? So it's at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 our time in Houston, and it's on the big network, NBC. Woohoo! Yeah, how about that? No Peacock, no Sports Network. We got the big boy spot. Twice in a week, almost. Good. Yeah. Sunday and now. Yeah, but this is on the Sunday, so that's really good to get it on the Sunday, so... There's not as much competition. So it's, <laughs> it's you know, yeah, because this Monday matches, and then, of course, we got a, we got a Friday match coming up the day before Halloween. Those are a little rough to watch, especially if you have to stay gamefully employed. This Sunday afternoon is perfect timing to watch it. I want to go. I want to go back to Atlanta and hang out with Andrew 
but my wife heard a report about an uptick in cases in our region, and so she vetoed that. It's not that she doesn't like Andrew because she likes Andrew, but because uh, <laughs> it would be a noon match. It's about, what, about two hours for me to get to Fado. And I've only done it once. It was my birthday. I celebrated my birthday with Andrew. So I'm overdue, but there's a pandemic. So it's going to be here in Alabama, and I will go afterwards on the porch and give my report to Dazzling Dave in the International Review. So I will be on the porch. My mom will be there. I have a long-haired German shepherd that looks like a wolf, and we will be decked out, and we will be hooting and hollering and scaring children. So. <laughs> be sure and take a picture of your dog in the gear and uh tweet my premier league morning because oh, that she's does been seem, on there. yeah okay yeah our big guys down here in houston uh clive me and him were at our pub for one of the games and we took a photo and tw- tried to tweet it and end up on there and it was all these kids and i said clive next time we need to find a baby man <laughs> babies so, and puppies babies yeah and puppies. so we may just steal a baby on uh before one of the games i don't know i uh i've i've heard of clive in fact one of the most dry sense of humors i think i've ever read great guy <laughs> uh he talks some things and i forget where i saw him i'm not sure it was on facebook or somewhere else but what a funny character and i'm sure he's even worse in in real life oh he's great you get a couple hoppadillos in him and it's awesome <laughs> Andrew, are you going to be at Fado's on Sunday? No, in fact, unfortunately, not unfortunately, fortunately, we are heading to near Wilmington, North Carolina. I've had a friend actually move from Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. He, he lived in Tennessee for a few years and he's decided to go to just a little bit south of Wilmington, Southport. So we're actually going, to go, going up there to spend a weekend. So we've already decided, okay, I have the NBC Sports app. We'll have to stream it in the car coming back to watch. Yeah, so we won't be doing that. But we are planning on going soon because though the numbers keep shifting with the COVID, it's hard to decide. But uh, wear a mask inside the pub. They're pretty cool with everything. I I think it'll be okay. We will do it. We will get together soon. We will. We will, my friend. And if somebody wants to join... Atlanta Wolves with you guys, what's the best way to reach y'all? Probably the best uh, idea, best way is we, most of us go on to the, the Wolves, the Wolves on the Facebook, and then people will just pipe in and ask questions. Hey, we're, I've just moved to Atlanta. Where do you guys go? Where's the pub you hang out? Fado's is one place. There's uh, another place in Midtown that a few of the guys come in from. Actually, most of them are from Wolverhampton itself. But uh, majority for those is a nice pub. It's a nice area. And uh, yeah, it's a great place for everyone to get to get together and chat and catch up. Uh, unfortunately, Ever- Everton's, that's Everton's home too. When we play Everton, we're a little bit outnumbered, <laughs> to put it blunt. There's about uh, 30 to 50 of them and maybe at the most, maybe a dozen for us. And that's Wolves USA when he talks about the Facebook group, Wolves yeah. USA. And they also have a Twitter account, but probably the best way just to reach out on Wolves USA. For myself, my uh, Twitter handle is Soccer in South. And my YouTube channel is Soccer in the South with Wolfman Jeff. Of course, you can catch me uh, on Dazzling Dave on YouTube with the International Fan Reaction. And I also do uh, USL. And I'm part of Soccer Chat, and we do a podcast. It's on the BGN, the Beautiful Game Network. So one of those ways you can get a hold of me. And if you're in Chattanooga, 
wouldn't mind meeting up with you there. Obviously, there'd be a lot more people in Atlanta, but if you're in Chattanooga, I'd be willing to meet up with you as well. And Jeff, next time I'm visiting my dad over in Grand Alabama, me and you are going to hook up in Scottsboro for a game. Does that work? That sounds like a, yeah, we, we can go uh, probably to the Huddle House. I'm not sure what else is open there. Uh, <laughs> you know what? An unclaimed baggage, they could have large TVs. You never there know an go. unclaimed baggage. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm sure if you go to the Chattanooga and go up the track there and just shout Wolfman, somebody will pick him up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where are you, Wolfman? <laughs> Especially if it's a full moon. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Andrew, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, guys. Really, thank you for your time in joining us. We certainly hope we'll repeat this later on in the season, get you back on, and we'll do the same again. It's been thoroughly enjoyable. Thank you very much for the invite. Extremely nice to meet you both, and let's let's get that two-one victory on on Sunday. We got to get them three points. I'm hungry for three more points. (laughs) And listeners, thanks for your continued support. We will be back next week with a review of the Newcastle game and then preview the quick turnaround to the Palace game, which is the following Friday. So again, we thank you for listening. If you're listening for the first time, please subscribe, like the podcast, share it with your soccer-loving friends, give us a five-star review across your podcast listening platform of choice. This helps us a ton with our exposure. Once again, thanks for listening. Up the walls and see you next time.